Louise McSharry on 2FM. Restrictions are easing. Intercounty travel is going to be permitted shortly. Uh, hairdressers are opening. Life is moving toward some sort of normality or post-COVID anyway way of living. Um, but a lot of people are feeling a little bit hesitant about that or maybe not quite ready or maybe a little bit anxious. So I thought it would be a good idea for us to talk about that because it is going to be a change. We've been in on our own for a very long time. And to help us manage our anxiety better today, is Janet Healy, who is psychotherapist from Reflecting Minds Psychotherapy. Hello, Janet. Hi, how are you, Louise? Good to, good to speak to you again. I know. It's a shame you're not in front of me, but it's nice to, yeah. nice to hear your voice. Um, is it fair to say that a lot of people are feeling a little bit uneasy about kind of opening their lives back up again? Yeah, I'd say it is. And I'd say the reason for it and the, and, uh, is kind of understandable, I suppose, in a way. We've been locked away and been um, told to stay away for a long time, you know. And I guess, you know, one of the things that, that you know, we might understand and in, in the way in which we might think of it as a kind of social anxiety, or at least the way in which people are talking about it as being anxious, mm. is it kind of connects actually to, to some of the conversations we were having previously around this kind of two, two Two ways that we might think of anxiety in these circumstances. There's that kind of automatic anxiety that's triggered by the situation. So we can think of that very much as being COVID-related anxiety. So mm. for people who generally don't experience anxiety in their life, um, something like a global pandemic is an anxiety that impacts us all and can, you know, trigger all kinds of responses and kind of safety-seeking strategies I think if we think of it in that context Mm. um, as a means of being able to keep ourselves safe Um, but then there's also what we might think of uh, in the classical clinical sense of anxiety that is more about what we would call signal anxiety which is that there's a, a kind of a worry and anxiety that can be accompanied by lots of somatic feelings where we think that basically there's a danger but it's like a warning signal of danger that's that may happen and that is anticipated at some point in the future Mm. um and that that kind of mobilizes i suppose a lot of feelings and worries and avoidances perhaps Mm. so the idea of venturing out again may fall either into the context of there being automatic worry and concern because it's like okay i'm going to have to renegotiate safety what does safety look like now in a kind of a vaccinated um, or a rollout of a vaccine world mm. um, versus anxiety that may be there or say for instance somebody who has a clinical diagnosis of um, social anxiety that's something quite different yeah. um, it can be compounded by COVID. Yeah and I suppose I wanted to, to say that or to kind of acknowledge that that there is a difference between feeling anxious about something yes. which all of us experience and feel and we all experience anxiety on varying levels and yeah. having an anxiety disorder and those yes. are two very different things aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And so when we kind of, while the discourse around kind of anxiety always seems to focus on the way that we can get rid of it Mm. or the way that it gets in the way or gives rise to feelings and we just want to push them down or or be able to kind of get on with our life. Do you know what I mean? When we think about social anxiety disorder, we're thinking really of something quite different. So from the outside, that's why I think it could be useful to separate them, you know, 
an ordinary worry or concern that might cause us to be nervous with a degree of kind of expectancy of how things will pan out. Whereas the clinical diagnosis of social anxiety disorder is, is really um, something that we think of as a spectrum of experience. So the way that people experience that as a, as a diagnose, uh, diagnosis, as it were, um, you know, that, that can range from, you know, something that really would be persistent. And we, we, we think about often um, social um, anxiety disorder is something that begins in childhood, mm. you know, when we're developing our social skills mm. in preparation challenges of say adolescence and adulthood and moving out into the world but if we have difficulty developing appropriate kind of social behaviors as children then we may become accustomed to having kind of social fears mm. or create a life based on avoidance mm. which is the most important aspect of it and it can be devastating in terms of the impact on somebody's life it can impair your ability to learn to work to be able to move towards independence to develop personal relationships mm -hmm. and deeply impact kind of the quality of somebody's life you know practically physically emotionally yeah. psychologically so it's much much difference we, we bandy yeah. around social anxiety but actually you know you can you can probably tell from that description yeah. that's a very that's a very different thing yeah so I suppose really what we're talking about today then is is not that I mean really yeah. really what we're talking about is the fact that people who have who maybe previously had very active and happy and peaceful social yes. lives you know they were very enthusiastic about it they loved being out loved being in busy spaces and um, may yeah. may now be feeling differently so if yeah. you're someone in that situation yes then how do you manage it yeah well it might be first it might be good to kind of locate it I'm thinking in terms of the fact that this is actually we're talking about attachment here mm. um and it might seem like okay well anxiety attachments how the hell does that kind of connect you know mm. and really our kind of individual responses about the easing of restrictions venturing out into the social world and all that it has to offer you know has its roots in our early life because ultimately depending on the experiences that we've had in the past about the world are being accepted and feeling connected to other people. And um, that really depends. We learn those behaviours in our very early lived experience. And the, the our experience of home life, I suppose, if it's been good enough, you know, mm. where we felt that emotion, our emotional well-being has been considered, our practical needs have been met, well, then we might wander into the world feeling safe and expecting that our needs can be met uh, by the world and others. So in the context of this situation, I would think that that's where, you know, people feel, OK, you know what, there are there are risks, there are measures that we still need to take, but the world is a safe enough place. Mm. By and large, people respect the, um, you know, the greater good and that it's possible to be able to reacquaint and be able to reconnect with people. Um, we, our world has been small, so it's almost like I, I also think that it, our, our lives over the past year have been more akin to the life of toddlers than adults because home has been our world for many of us. Yeah. And that may or may not have been a safe place, you know. So if our early experience was one in which home wasn't able to meet all of our needs, then the pandemic has been very difficult because we've been cut off from all of those external supports yeah. like friends or, you know, activities or other things that have been able to mean that we can meet our needs uh, emotionally and relationally, you know, in that context. Yeah. So this is really where we're kind of stepping over the threshold again 
but it's very much is informed not just about COVID in the here and now, but also what our general expectations are based on our history. Janet, sorry, your line is kind of coming in and out. So I, what we're oh. going to do is we're going to take a little break and we'll come back. Um, if you have yeah. a question for Janet, if you're experiencing this kind of anxious feeling or you're feeling worried about getting back out in the world or if you find like even the idea of making a hair appointment at the moment seems like too much. If you have a question, send it in to us. Let's get some expert advice for you. 51552 is the number to text. You can email us at louise at rte.ie and we'll come back with more from Janet and your questions after this. Louise. Tim Chadwick and favourite song, more Irish music for you on 2FM. Now we are in the middle of how to be an adult and today we are talking about some of the nervousness, apprehension and maybe anxious feelings people are having ahead of return to a somewhat normal life or even just, you know, a small social life. I know lots of people are feeling uneasy and we are joined by psychotherapist Janet Healy. Hello, Janet. Welcome back. Janet is psychotherapist from Reflecting Minds Psychotherapy. Um, so, Janet, we actually have a good few questions in, so might just Great. get stuck in there because I think we'll learn yeah. a lot from listening to your answers. Um, so this one says, I've really enjoyed not going out, not having mm. to meet up with friends and spending time by myself. I love my friends and family, but before COVID, it was always a struggle and a drain on energy to meet people. Equally, yeah. I don't want to be alone. I'm all in it is. Uh, yeah. what, what advice would you give there? I think, and I think there's actually, that's a very common experience, I think, that a lot of people are having, you know, because really it's only when the world was upended and we didn't have a choice in the matter that we got to see what, what and, and be able to take stock, really, and reflect on, is our life working for us, you know, and, and then having the opportunity to have a new experience in that. Um, I think it's really important you give yourself permission to emerge as slowly as you want to from the mm. pandemic. Like, really, we're still in the midst of it, and, and we're still likely to be you know, affected by COVID for the foreseeable future until everybody is vaccinated and, you know, all of that. But life post-pandemic isn't going to be revert to life the way it was before the pandemic. And that's why I think it can be really good to buy yourself the little time that we have, you know, to be thinking about, well, what is it that I want after Mm. this? You know, what do I want to hang on to? I think it's a really good opportunity to establish or reinstate or renegotiate boundaries in our lives. It can be like really useful, I think, to think of it almost like um, informed consent. Mm. You know, we can really only say yes to things when we know that we can also say no. And if there are particular things that we've experienced that are actually like, you know what, this is really working for me, then I'd be very reluctant to let go of that with respect to things that are actually, you know, meeting your own needs you know Mm. in a good way but I totally hear that piece around the desire for connection as well because actually we're hardwired as humans for connection Mm. and I think that the often we might feel that we need to return to relationships and for things to be as they were but but as I was saying nothing is going to be the same you know we we, progression means we just have to accept the reality Mm. that nothing is the same but it is an opportunity to be able to kind of you know keep what you've learned and 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 are now valuing you know Mm. and and be able to use that as an opportunity of bringing it to to your relationships in that way you know and stating that need for yourself yeah and I mean I think people who have 
busy social lives, you know, mm. there's, I mean, I speak for myself, like sometimes there's a feeling of obligation um, and it's yeah. not that you don't want to see people. It's just that there's a lot of people to see. And, yeah. you know, maybe we're not so good at saying no or mm. I'm not mm. in a good mm. headspace right now yeah. or I just yeah. have a lot on, uh, you yeah. know, and, and maybe it's, a, you know, partially about learning how to do that and how Absolutely. to just say, I'm actually just, I'm just too busy or I'm not able or I'm just yeah. not feeling up to it. Yeah, and and also by being able to, I mean, I, I always think a really useful line can be, can you leave that with me and let me come back to you on it? Yeah. That buys you the space that if you feel under pressure in that moment to say yes, and often we do in a situation out of obligation or, you know what I mean, yeah. all those kind of things, but we're not saying yes because we truly want to. It just might be that we feel under pressure to do that. Mm. And I think there's absolutely nothing wrong by, and it is about healthy boundaries. A healthy boundary doesn't allow other people dictate our boundaries. We establish our boundaries and say, can you leave that with me? Because I need to have, I need to check a few things. So it also allows to be able to come back then Mm. with a response but knowing that what we're responding to is something that we can meet, you know, and that it's not at the price of our own well-being, yeah. you know, because in some sense, it's like even 150%, you know, if 100% is only expected, that extra 50% is coming from somewhere else and often it's self-defeating. It's, mm. we're, we're, we're paying the extra price, you know, yeah. for the overstretching and the overreaching. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's just, it's okay to say no. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we really have a hard time with that. Um, yeah. So this one says, Hi Louise, I'm starting a new job next week amid COVID and I find myself so anxious at nighttime, especially. Sometimes my heart races for no reason. Any mm. tips would be great. Okay, it's kind of, there's not a huge amount to go there, but what we might be thinking of it is, I suppose, in a general sense, stepping into a new situation, which, whether COVID was here or not, may induce those kind of feelings, Mm -hmm. you know, because, of course, at the heart of it is, will I be accepted? Mm -hmm. Will I be wanted? Will I get on? Will I do okay? Mm -hmm. Will I fit in? Mm -hmm. It's like trying to reestablish, well, it's actually not reestablishing, it's establishing a relationship from the outset, but then also in the context in which we've come perhaps to question our connections because so so many of the things that we've taken for granted have been upended. Mm. So I would I would say, you know, very much coming in and sometimes even stating it from the outset, you know, going, oh, don't mind me, guys, I'm a bit nervous, first days, mm. can really break the ice. Mm. Acknowledging the feeling, you know, mm. it's amazing when we can acknowledge our own feeling, kind of take a little bit of an emotional risk in just letting it be known, just in, in that very casual kind of way. Mm. How many people will just say, oh, Jesus, I remember my own day or Mm. you know and then all of a sudden you're building connection because it's relational and then it's part of the human condition to experience that when we're going into an unfamiliar and an unknown uh, situation and environment which is compounded by the COVID kind of situation and you know what what are the rules of this game or what what how do they work it in this place you know um but uh, but I think that sometimes that can be a good icebreaker it's just being able to acknowledge the newness of it and being the newbie is you know is a worry worry and kind of anxious experience yeah yeah it's funny isn't it because you always feel like oh I won't know how anything works and like I have been in the position where you go in and you're kind of like pretending you know but like Mm. of course you don't know you've never been there before (laughs) You've never done it before. Like it's it's totally normal to not know and totally okay to say, I don't know. And and, and weirdly, it's because we don't want to be found wanting that we kind of, it's almost like we keep the truth away from people because we think that if they find out, oh Jesus, we'll be nabbed. You know, almost like an imposter syndrome. But actually, 
it, it keeps us away then too from feeling accepted yeah. by people who will reflect your own experience and go, God, you too, me too, you yeah. know, because that's what builds emotional intimacy in relationships is by taking the risk and you know and and, and seeing what happens mm. and can I ask about that the the bit mm. about the heart racing if you find yourself yeah. in a situation where you find from time to time you, yeah. you're feeling that kind of panic or you know an anxiousness or whatever that's yeah. leading for your heart to be to leading your yeah. heart to be racing what yeah. can you do in that moment because I yeah. can imagine that could maybe make you panic a little bit more so yeah and I think it's a very I think a physical response a physical kind of uh, antidote to that is always very useful and a sensory based one. The reason I say that is because I'm thinking of it, what's happening in the body there is that's adrenaline. Mm. So if you're lying down trying to sleep and your body is saying, oh my God, the fire alarm is going off and you need to get the hell out of here because that's kind of, that's that panic, that kind of feeling. Well then the truth is you're not going to have a very nice sleep do you know what I mean you can't because you're exactly so your body is saying get the hell out of here Mm -hmm. and so I think it can actually be really useful in that kind of situation to get up have a very cold glass of water Mm -hmm. like shift your field of vision reconnect you know and I'm thinking of grounding kind of techniques which Mm -hmm. can just be simple as stretching Mm -hmm. and things like that but what you're doing effectively is you're engaging the body in moving and trying to redistribute Mm -hmm. the kind of the chemical like adrenaline out of the body and you know it might sound a bit crazy at four o'clock in the morning to be doing a few jumping jacks or something like that but actually <laughs> it, it it engages the body in a different way that allows for um you know that kind of those chemicals to be mm. dispersed in the body and then perhaps to be able to to go back to sleep once it's it's passed because it is it's a physical it's a you know thinking your way out of that situation is not going to work it has to be a physical embodied yeah. um response and and things that have a sensory component you know deep uh, tissue pressure like massage you know physical activity that just gets the heart rate moving a little bit yeah. um a cold glass of water those things can kind of be very useful in in, in to those kind of symptoms i suppose yeah. as they present that makes total sense to me i actually woke up recently and it doesn't happen to me ever i can't remember the last time but i had a bad dream and i woke mm. up and i i was having a really hard time letting go of the panic based on whatever yeah. I can't even remember now what was happening in the mm-hmm. dream but yeah I had to get up I had to get yeah. out of bed go yeah, to the toilet yeah. look at yeah. myself in the mirror like you know all exactly. that and it really helped it's not the same but I, I, I get it how that might yeah. work yeah and basic needs like hungry angry lonely tired you know yeah. being able to respond in very practical ways to those yeah. can, can, all, can often help yeah okay Abby says I know it's not right but well already Abby you're giving me a hard time <laughs> yeah. I know it's yeah. not right but for a solid year I've been ignoring or replying late to all my messages yeah. I just didn't have the headroom to maintain friendships yeah. now I'm back to making plans with friends and I'm feeling really guilty about my lack of contact how can I make yeah. it better well the good thing about guilt is that if you're experiencing guilt then you know that there's something you can do about it because in some sense there's been an acknowledgement of something do you know mm. and that doesn't mean that it needs to be that you, you need to be hung drawn on quarters because that has happened but it's more about being able to acknowledge the feelings that meant that actually in the experience it was very difficult to do those things mm. that ordinarily prove, you know, you wouldn't give a second thought to. Mm. And so already that's saying, and, I, and you know, you're right to catch it right at the beginning there around the fact that the guilt can also be one in which we 
feel like, you know, we should be punishing ourselves. But the truth is we can alleviate feelings of guilt by acknowledging them and by able to offer that apology. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And sometimes it can be as simple as just saying, listen, I really haven't been doing all that great, you know, and I mean, it's coming out in ways that I know that I've been a bit lax on getting back and whatever, but now we're, things are improving and, you know, and apologies for that. It's like, yeah. just being able to own it and then it's it's done. It's yeah. over with. And I can't help but think that like any friend, if you said to any friend, I've been having yeah. a really hard time and I know yeah. that that meant that I wasn't a great pal to yeah. you and I'm really sorry yeah. about that. Yeah. Like, yeah. if you have a friend who has a problem with that, then that's not a friend. So, exactly. Like, exactly. Just, when you own it, yeah. I think people really appreciate that because often there's a lot that goes unsaid or kind of inferred in relationships and we're dancing around and tiptoeing on eggshells but actually the truth is as you said we build intimacy by making ourselves emotionally available and yeah. vulnerable and by saying I this is my bag that was nothing to do with you yeah. and then it also alleviates that person if they were thinking Jesus have I done something now I yeah. haven't heard from them it also lets them off the hook yeah. so yeah. they know it wasn't about me either do you know yeah. and so it clears the air yeah. and then you're you're you've a fresh fresh slate you yeah. know and and yeah, absolutely. Yes, it can it can actually strengthen relationships. Um. Okay. Finally, Janet. Uh, mm. Throughout the pandemic, I think this might be a common thing. Mm. Throughout the pandemic, I haven't seen much of my extended family. We live yeah. in separate counties. I didn't yeah. realize the negativity they were bringing into my life, and I've enjoyed not having them around. Is yeah. it totally wrong to keep avoiding them? And you know what? The answer to that question may already have been answered by the person who sent the question. Yeah. Because in some way they've identified that they've been going through the motions with respect to what they feel they've needed to do in order to show up and to show faith mm -hmm. in terms of being part of family. But there's an identification that actually there might be a lot that's going on underneath that, you know, mm -hmm. and there's very likely to be a very complex story about the dynamics of the relationships in families and why it is that it's difficult to say no. Mm. And, you know, even as an adult, because, of course, as children, we don't have the opportunity really to say, I'm out of here. We might try, but we won't get very far. Yeah. You know, <laughs> if you've packed, if you've ever packed your teddy bear in a little suitcase, yeah. you know, um, I am familiar with that one. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's, it's you, you know, you get to the end of the road and then it's like, OK, well, maybe, you know, and you might come back in stamping the feet going, I'm back, but I'm not really happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, as an adult, we actually have the opportunity to say, you know, how much contact do I want and how much contact feels good enough yeah. for me in meeting my needs, but also not feeling compelled to do it. And I yeah. think that thing around saying yes, but knowing that you can also say no, it's often because people don't feel that they can say no that the problems are there yeah. and we have a sense that that's, that's an older script, as it were, for want of a better word. You know, that's based very much on early experiences within the context of the family, feeling compelled to do yeah. it. And, 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 you know, I'm thinking there's a lot of people for whom the pandemic was a great relief because they weren't having to negotiate, you know, the attendance of that great, you know, that second cousin's wedding, you know, mm. where everybody will be there or, you know, all of those kind of situations. Mm. We've we've been kind of encouraged to be avoidant yeah. <laughs> um, more recently. But that need not, and I think we might have touched on this, um, I might have touched on it with Blown is actually around Christmas mm. in thinking that traditions start from somewhere, you know, in the same way as boundaries could be established at any point in our life. Yeah. And I think that this could be a nice little marker for some people where actually the absence or the presence of people 
has altered and shifted, mm. um, you know, the way the life was. And, and maybe we're kind of reimagining how things can be yeah. in the future, that there are choices. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, you've only got one life and it's your exactly. life and it's, yeah. you are well within your rights to, you know, set your boundaries in the way Absolutely. that makes your life the, the most positive life you can live. Absolutely. Um, Janet, thank you so, so much. That's Janet Healy, psychotherapist from Reflecting Minds Psychotherapy. Janet, I hope you have a lovely day. You too, Louise. Thanks Thank a you. million. Bye-bye. Louise McSharry on 2FM.